It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. It is the Locked On Bengals podcast, and this is your host, Joe Goodberry. I kind of hesitated there, but that wasn't intentional. Just trying to think of uh, the intro here as I normally play the pre-recorded one, and normally we have Jake here, Jake Lisko, my co-host, but I think he's got a party or something to go to today, so it's just me hosting this thing and kicking us off, and we're going to continue our positional breakdowns of looking at each position We'll probably end up talking a little bit about free agency, and I got a good question from a longtime follower on Twitter about what traits and what, you hear the phrase is how he put it, you hear the phrase, this guy checks off all the boxes. Well, what are those boxes, right? And I'm going to go through that a little bit here, and it's going to pertain to the draft process, but I guess we could use it for potential free agent prospects as well. So continuing our diagnosis of each position on the Bengals roster, Brings us to offensive tackle, and that's our lead story for today's Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Joe Goodberry. Offensive line, I feel like we've been talking about it ever since the Bengals allowed Andrew Whitworth and Kevin Zeitler to leave in free agency following the 2016 season. But where are the Bengals now, heading into 2020, expected to draft their franchise quarterback again in Joe Burrow? How do they protect him? And number one, first we're going to look at tackle. And they spent their first round pick last year on Jonah Williams out of Alabama, the, who many thought was the best offensive lineman in that class. It's funny, Dane Brugler, my colleague at The Athletic, tweeted that he thinks Jonah Williams would probably be competing for the fourth best offensive tackle in this top-heavy offensive tackle class. Now, that's not a knock on Jonah, just different classes, obviously. Jonah was taken with the 11th pick, ended up missing the entire year with a torn shoulder, and looks to be on pace to be ready to go to be, to be the Bengals' left tackle, not only this year, but of the future. The idea there is that they have their franchise left tackle to protect Joe Burrow. And I have to agree. At least I think they do. You know, if he's healthy, based on what we saw, this shouldn't be another Cedric Oboehe, Jake Fisher, or Billy Price selection. For me, he doesn't have those limitations. It was easy to see that a boy he wasn't a good player coming out of college. I think Jake Fisher would have been okay if the injuries didn't strike him and really derail his career early. And for Billy Price, his strengths haven't been put on display because, again, he hasn't stayed healthy. Now, we could be saying, hey, that could be the downfall for Jonah Williams. One year in now, can he stay healthy? And that's a fair question to ask. But I will say, based on what we saw at Alabama, we're talking about a very technically sound guy, a very driven player, um, very focused, very smart, takes the coaching. I think he'll be fine, even if he's not a premier talent in terms of athleticism, size, and length. He's just good in every other area. So I think he locks down your left tackle spot. Many Bengals fans wonder, do the Bengals go out and do they sign a right tackle? I don't think they do. 
I think they like Bobby Hart much more than we do, despite his flaws, despite his issues, despite um, really never having a long stretch of good play in his career. The best he ever played was over the last quarter of this past season, where he really didn't face stiff competition, but he did what he was supposed to do. He blocked the guys he was supposed to block, and I would say that he had the cleanest four or five game stretch of his career. Now, having said that, is there competition on the roster for Bobby Hart? Is there an insurance policy on the roster if Jonah Williams cannot stay healthy? We have to look first and foremost at Cordy Glenn. Remember, the Bengals traded for him just two years ago, giving up basically what the value of a top second-round pick would be to move back from 11 to 21 in exchange for Cordy Glenn. Glenn had his issues last year. I don't think he's on the roster under any circumstances. The Bengals originally planned to move him to left guard. That didn't work. He was injured. They fought over the injury, and eventually he played and played pretty decent at left tackle. They have to figure out, does he want to play, and will he play for another team? Because if you can trade him, because offensive linemen are a premium in this league, you may be able to get a fourth, fifth-round pick in exchange. I'd even take a sixth or seventh-round pick, let's be honest. I think the likelihood is that the Bengals cut him, save about $9.5 million. They don't owe him anything, and move on from Cordy Glenn with Bobby Hart and Jonah Williams as their two bookend tackles. Now, who can challenge Bobby Hart on the right side? It might be Fred Johnson, the player they claimed from the Pittsburgh Steelers. Last season, they developed him slowly. It was a player the Steelers really liked. They didn't play Fred Johnson until the final two games. He's listed as a guard on their website, but they played him at left tackle the final two weeks, and he pitched shutouts. Didn't allow one pressure, one sack, or one quarterback hit. I wonder if Fred Johnson has that upside. He's played both tackle spots at the University of Florida at a high level and then could play potentially right tackle for the Bengals if he develops and maybe beats out Bobby Hart. I think it's against him that that happens, but it's not impossible. And then the other two guys to round out the bottom of the roster, O'Shea Dugas, he was a talk of last year's camp as maybe this is the undrafted guy that makes the roster. He ultimately did before going on IR. And then Isaiah Prince, who was um, claimed from the Miami Dolphins, another Ohio State offensive lineman that gives the Bengals three on the roster and rounds out the depth. I think there's a position there or a spot there for them to draft one more offensive tackle, but maybe not on the first two days. Guys, let's talk about sex. Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue, like the color blue. BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up as twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Let me tell you, we get free samples, and if you think Marshawn Lynch has a good stiff arm, you've seen nothing yet. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor visits, no waiting at the pharmacy, and best of all, no awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than the pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit bluechew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code LOCKEDON. Just pay the $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Promo code locked on to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Thinking about taking a vacation this spring? Well, you should follow your Cincinnati Reds down to Arizona for the Cactus League spring training. 
They've got amazing weather, landscapes, and exciting outdoor adventures with incredible food. Arizona is the perfect home for baseball fans. Arizona's one-of-a-kind spring training experience offers 10 stadiums, 15 MLB teams, 75-degree temperatures, which sounds pretty good, and all 10 stadiums are in the greater Phoenix area within 50 miles of each other. Meet the players and get autographs before games do. And of course, bring the kids, because Arizona is a fantastic destination for families. Not only do they have family-friendly resorts and hotels that offer plenty of fun for kids of all ages, from water parks to horseback rides to games and activities, Arizona has tons of stuff for kids to do and see, like wildlife parks, science museums, aquariums, and dude ranches. Ready to plan your spring training getaway? Go to www.visitarizona.com slash spring training. We're just a few weeks away from free agency, and it's a big moment, I think, for Bengals fans and the Bengals themselves, really. But I think for Bengals fans, because we are looking for a sign that this team gets it, that they maybe feel the pressure, um, maybe they see the opportunity with Joe Burrow, right? Because... That's two different things. One, you feel the pressure because of the losing season since 2015. Yeah, you go to the playoffs five years in a row, and then you lose four years in a row, right? If my math is correct, 16, 17, 18, 19. Yep, it's correct. Okay. So that may make you want to make some moves, right? You ended up with the worst record in the league in 2019. There's obvious talent deficiencies in key areas. So does that finally change their ways and saying, okay, we really don't have a choice. We've backed ourselves into this corner by staying out of free agency. We have to go make a move. We have to win back the fan base. We have to add talent. We've got to win back some of these players. I mean, you, you take the comments, right, from Carson Palmer, even from George Iloka, I think, when he interviewed with Jay Morrison over at The Athletic. He pretty much, you know, he didn't want to say Carson Palmer was wrong because he still has a you know an attachment to the Bengals. At least that's the way I read it. But he did say, you know, there are different ways to show that you're trying or that you're giving your best effort. Um, I think getting free agents shows the fans and shows maybe some of the players that things are changing or that they're committed to at least attempting something different or something new, new to them. Um, and, And I did this on Twitter. I went over some free agents I'd like to see them look at. And I kind of left off the tier one guys, right? Because I tried to look at this from a realistic scenario. I want to play both scenarios out. We've been doing that, Jake and I, as we go through each team. We're writing down guys we'd like, whether that's tier one guys. We may call them wave one, wave two, wave three, but it's pretty much the same thing. Tier one guys, which would be like a Javon Hargrave, right, from from the Steelers. Defensive tackle who had 55 pressures last year would, you know, be a a blue chip on that defensive line. Uh, really take that line from good to really, really good. Like 49ers type depth where you're like, man, why, we really got a, a unit here that can carry the defense. That'd be a tier one blue chip guy. I think going out and getting Joe Tooney would be a tier one guy. I think getting Graham Glasgow would be a tier one. Brandon Scherf, tier one. Los rear guards. Corey Littleton would be a tier one guy. I, The Bengals don't do that. I don't think they've ever signed a tier one free agent. Um, not even, no, Terrell Owens definitely wasn't. He was, no one else wanted him. I'm thinking tier three or four for Terrell Owens. Antonio Bryant, I want to say he was probably tier two at best. Uh, 
Lavernius Coles, Tier 3 at that point in his career. Uh, Antoine Odom, Tier 2. I think that was a Tier 2 guy. Maybe. Man, Antoine Odom might have been, may have been the guy verging on Tier 1. He may have been the biggest free agent they brought in. Um, I think guys like Torrey James and Kevin Hardy and John Thornton when Marvin Lewis came. Tier 2 guys, Tier 3 most likely. And they're in more in that range. I think if you look back at last year... Um, you know, I'm I'm not even going to bring up like the guys they re-signed, Bobby Hart, Preston Brown. I think the guys they brought in, John Miller was the best one. I think he was tier two based on the contract they gave him, but he's probably closer to tier three, if that makes sense. No, I would have said he was tier three going into free agency, and then the money they gave him, I was like, okay, that's a that's a guy they targeted and wanted. That's a tier two signing for them, which is fine. You you have to at least live in tier two. We want them to go and live in Tier 1. B.W. Webb was a Tier 3. Kerry Wynn was a Tier 3, if not a Tier 4 guy. Uh, you know, that's last wave type. Shaq Barrett would have been a Tier 2 guy. And he he outplayed it. He outplayed it for the Bucks. He's now a Tier 1 free agent. So they would have acquired, they could have acquired two Tier 2 guys last year. Last year was actually one of their most aggressive free agent runs. And I know it doesn't seem like that or look like that. I looked at the guaranteed money they spent last year. It was the most they've given out in a, in a single um, summer. Because I, I also, in this, when I looked at this, I included the guys they extended in the offseason. Then I did that for all the previous years and added all that money up. Uh, so it was some of the most guaranteed money they've given out was last season. And maybe that continues. Maybe they go out and get a Corey Littleton. I think, you know, if you're the Bengals and there's a free agent linebacker out there that's can cover and is fast. I, I even think Joe Schobert would fit. And I say that not meaning uh, that, you know, Schobert isn't a scheme guy or anything or a guy that isn't. He's just not as athletic and as fast and as good in coverage as Corey Littleton is. But he's better against the run. Uh, he calls plays. He'd be a nice addition to this team, Joe Schobert would be. He's a Tier 1 free agent, in my opinion. Probably closer to Tier 2, whereas Littleton is a solid Tier 1. I think the Bengals are a perfect team to go sign a linebacker. Not every team is interested in signing linebackers because... That position is the least valuable on defense. You're going to, maybe with safety. Safety's changing a lot, so it's hard to really say for sure because safety's getting so hybrid and so versatile. You can do so many more things with them. If you have a guy that you can do all these things, you've got an advantage defensively, especially in the secondary. Corners are the blue chip guys. Edge rushers are the blue chip guys. If you've got a Geno Atkins, he can be a blue chip guy also. Those all come before linebacker. You'd have to have a special, special linebacker, a Bobby Wagner. Those guys just don't hit free agency ever. Um, maybe once in a while, but Corey Littleton isn't that is my point. Uh, but because not every team is going to be interested in a linebacker or paying a linebacker, and not every team is going to be interested in the increasing, I mean just skyrocketing price and value for linebackers, that's going to cut off a lot of teams. Now, the Bengals don't pay their linebackers anything. They're bottom of the league right now. And they have a massive hole, and they've had a massive hole forever. And when we did the history and we were putting in linebackers, it was hard, man, uh, to make an all-Bengals team with their linebacker history. But that all concludes to, I think the Bengals are the team that should do it. They should go pay Corey Littleton or Joe Schobert. And give them $15 million a year. And give out $35 million guaranteed. And it's a lot of money. And it's going to be the most guaranteed money on the con on the roster. And it's going to be the, maybe, no, it would be the highest salary on defense. 
So that's what you're committing to, but it shores up the weakest position on your team, maybe, with guard, right? It probably is linebacker right now. And doing so sends a message, I think, to the fans, to the city, to the players that, hey, guys, we understand you're going to, you have to play in free agency if you want to win. And doing so is, is what they should do. But I tried to be more realistic when I looked at this. And I said, okay, what do the Bengals normally do? So, yes, they should go do that. They should sign Corey Littleton. They should sign Joe Tooney, either one of those. I'd be like, home run. I'd, I'd be going nuts. I would think they actually are doing it. They're actually going to try and win something. I, that's what I would believe. But I tried to be more realistic based on their history, based even on last year, recent history, too. Um, what is the most likely targets? What, what are the parameters? They like guys under 30. I even tried to pull it back to 29 because besides like t- tier three, wave four, the final Ross, final free agent guys like A.J. Hawk and James Harrison, um, the oldest really guy they were signing was Brandon LaFell at 29 years old. Um, so they like to stay under that. And I, I as I'm looking at this, uh, I say, okay, stay under 29, and I really got to cut the the uh, guaranteed money down. Yeah, if I went to over to the cap, and if they say they're going to get like 20 million, I'm like, okay, they're not. Bengals aren't going to do that. Maybe they give out 15 million. Maybe they give out 12 million. Um, that's about it. And so when you look at this roster and look at how they normally give out money, it's just. It's hard for me to see them doing it. Doing it, I'd love if they did it, but obviously it's hard to do it. So this is what I came up with. And I'll just run through the list really quick and see if it sounds appetizing. Do any of these guys sound good to you? Um, at guards, I got Joe Hag from the Colts, who was out most of last year, but was good the previous couple of years. That could be like a bargain guy, and I think he's only 26. Joe Hag um, has been good, played for a really good offensive line, is he healthy? Can he be healthy? What is that a guy that you get for cheap because he missed all, all of last year? Um, Eric Flowers from Washington. Former bust. Was he traded or just straight up released from the Giants? Either way. Ended up with Washington, get, got kicked in the guard, and was actually pretty decent. And I think he's only 25. So there may be some interest there around the league or some upside to see what he can or can't do. He may not cost a lot of money either. None of these guys um, probably cost a lot. The next is West Schweitzer from the Falcons, who has just been an okay guard for them. <laughs> I know that none of this sounds really good as I'm saying it out loud, but this is the range we should be living in. Think of John Miller last year. Um, the last guy is Quentin Spain from the Bills, who played for the Titans for, I think, four years and then signed a one-year deal with the Bills. Wave three guy in free agency again for the Bills, maybe even if you want to say wave four. But Spain's been good. I don't know why he doesn't get a bigger deal or more respect. When I watch him, I, I really like Quentin Spain. Um, someone said he didn't give up a sack last year. If that Great, sounds good. Let's put that at left guard, right? Um, so I would be cool. I think those guys you bring in for competition, and you say, okay, you got Billy Price, you've got Michael Jordan, go compete with them. Kind of how you did with John Miller last year. Miller won the right guard spot. There really wasn't anybody else to, to challenge him. Uh, Miller missed some time, and it allowed Price to play, allowed Alex Redman and Michael Jordan to play. But I could see a similar scenario. You, you sign a uh, Quentin Spain at left guard, and you let him compete with Jordan and Price, young guys that you know could beat him out. But if not, then you've got a veteran that's played in 50 games in his career. In his career, That's pretty good. You'll take that. Moving on to linebackers real quick. Uh, I got Nick Kwiatkowski and Kevin Pierre-Lewis. We talked about both of those guys from Chicago when we did the Bears 
uh, in our free agency preview. Both guys are athletic, can cover, not really great, not really... I mean, like, if you sign one of those guys, you're hoping they develop even further and take another step for you. It, there's really a huge gap. You know, there's, like, Tier 1 guys, and then I'm not even sure who I'd put at linebacker for Tier 2. It just might all be Tier 3 linebackers. And the next ones are David Mayo of the Giants and Reggie Raglan of the Chiefs, more of run-defending guys. But the Bengals could use that also. And, again, we're talking about... Um, role players. Tier 3 guys are role players. They may just be one-down defenders that play the run. Maybe they're Sam linebackers. Maybe they're inside linebackers. And then you draft a nickel guy to go with Jermaine Pratt. Or sign another guy, right? So uh, I, I could see that you know one of those guys making sense. Because the Bengals are probably going to have to go for a starter and then a I don't know, uh, uh, just a, a backup? A guy that can spot start? They have nothing on the roster right now. Nothing. It's Jermaine Pratt, and that's it. So they, they may need to sign a couple guys. Uh, and then I started looking at corner, and I started to think, well, they could release Kirkpatrick or trade him. I think release is more, more than likely. Dark West Denard went on with George Iloka and his podcast, Jim Bag Podcast. Uh, check it out. We had Iloka on here. He's a good dude. Denard kind of made it seem like he'd like to play the boundary corner and prove he can do it. And I think that's where the money is, too. I mean, that's definitely why you would want to do it. But Denard's never been really, never been really good out there. So that kind of makes me wonder if he's going to go out, want to be a boundary corner, and no team's going to be interested again. And then he comes back to the Bengals. But if he doesn't and he gets the offer out there or the money or the Bengals don't come to terms or if he doesn't want to come back and be a nickel corner, nickel corner again... Maybe he just leaves. Maybe that's it for Denard. And the Bengals have just Darius Phillips, B.W. Webb, and William Jackson. And then they may want to look for a corner in free agency. And it's actually a really, really good corner class in free agency. And I think you can find some good value people. And this is even in Tier 2, Tier 3 on that after that first wave's gone because there's some good guys up there too. But I got Brian Poole, who's a nickel guy, Played with the Jets last year, Falcons before that. The Bengals brought him in last year, and Poole had a great year. They chose between Webb and Poole. I don't know how that went down. I don't have a, a scoop on that. But Poole went to the Jets and had a fantastic, fantastic year. Uh, and then Trey Waynes, former first-round corner uh, with the Vikings, outside corner. I think that could be your Drake Patrick replacement for half the price, which I think would really be up the Bengals' alley for a former first-round pick. That used to intrigue them a lot, so... Um, let's see what kind of interest Waynes gets out there because uh, I could see that being a thing. And then Mackenzie Alexander, also of the Vikings, nickel guy, slot guy, um, kind of fell out of favor a little bit. I thought he was better early in his career when he first got in there for whatever reason. You know, I still think he can be a productive nickel corner. So if you lose Denard, maybe you bring in a guy like that, and we're not talking about huge money again. Eli Apple, former first-round pick out of Ohio State, um, originally with the Giants, got cut, went to the Saints, or traded? Either way. So I did this already with Eric Flowers. The Giants have had struggles, huh? But he actually played decent with the Saints. So is he on the right path again? Can he get it together again? Does he want to come back to Ohio? Could he be a boundary corner for you? Maybe. And I think that could be a replacement for Kirkpatrick also. And he maybe that's a guy that comes in and competes with Darius uh, Phillips. Next guy is uh, Ronald Darby, who was a former... Second round pick, Florida State for the Bills. Played really good for the Bills. Ended up with the, I want to say, 
Eagles in a trade? I know it's the Eagles, but I mean, was it a trade or free agency? Either way, it had to be a trade. That's how they got LaShawn McCoy, I think, and Jordan Matthews. Anyways, Darby was good for the Eagles, got hurt, never really rebounded. He's a guy you'd like to take an upside shot on. So all these guys are under 29 and shouldn't cost too much. And all are Tier 2, Tier 3 type free agents that I think the Bengals could be interested in. Let me know if that sounds exciting to you or not. I actually kind of gravitate more towards the O-line and the corners there than I do linebacker. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And then finally, we'll get to that question from The Wanderer, who's on Twitter and been a longtime follower of mine. He's one of my favorite followers uh, because he's one of those guys that when we first started interacting on Twitter... He would challenge me a lot of ways, and I don't mind that. I actually appreciate that. The guys that challenge me um, force me to look, prove my work, um, show clips, explain a little bit deeper, and that's okay because there's some people that just follow and take what you say, and then there's other people that are skeptical. And the, and but there's two kinds of hard asses, uh, you know, if, for the people that criticize your work. There, one guy is like he's just being a troll, you know, and they'll just oh. You know, I don't think what you're, you know what you're doing. You don't know what you're talking about. Um, didn't you say this before? You're contradicting, contradicting yourself. You're flip-flopping, whatever the case may be. That person really doesn't care about the truth or your analysis. He just is having a bad day or life. Wanderer, on the other hand, is more like, okay, I don't think you're right, but I see what you're saying. Why can you explain this part? Or can you show me what you saw in this play? Or what do you think happened on this one? And then he'll provide feedback and information. And I like that because that you go from being a skeptic of this person, of me, and maybe I'm skeptical of them when they first jump into my mentions. And then we end up building a relationship and being cool with each other and talking about other things, whether that's life, movies, comics, whatever you know we're into. And I end up appreciating that person more as we go on. And that's life, right? So Wanderer, um, he hits me up on Twitter and says, hey, can you explain... And I think I might do this even more in depth on The Athletic. But he, he asked if I can explain checking the boxes. What are the boxes? What are we looking for? What are those traits you're looking for? And it's different for each position. So I was thinking linebacker, I can do that. I can do offensive line. My favorite two positions are, are corner and wide receiver. I don't know why. I think it's ball skills for me are my, is my favorite trait because I think people struggle with what that is. So I think I have a good grasp of it, and I like that for corner. Corner has been probably my most successful uh, projection from draft to NFL. And, but I'll, I'll use linebacker, and linebacker is actually probably my weakest. But what am I looking for? What should you be looking for to check the boxes? And I think first broad scope here would be size, production, athleticism, intelligence, and drive. You know, want to. Does this guy want to be a football player? You check all those boxes, you got a guy that's probably going top 20, first round at least. If he's linebacker, maybe he ends up even in, in the top of the second round because that's how, how the position value goes. That's that's a broad scope of checking every box. 
He has everything you're looking for. Production, size, athleticism, good tape, all of that. All of that. He's got everything. But on a more um, player evaluation, film breakdown, scouting report level, checking every box, it gets a little deeper. For linebackers, what do you want? You want athleticism. There is required bit of athleticism for every position on the field, even quarterback. If a guy can't move, that's a problem. But for a linebacker, you've got to be able to run sideline to sideline. You've got to be able to flip your hips, cover, drop into coverage, gain depth, um, click and close, which means so as you're flipping and you're dropping into coverage, maybe it's a cover two, you're going down the middle of the field, the ball's thrown underneath to the running back as a check down. How fast can you recognize it, plant that back foot, and now you're closing? That's click, close, and now you're, you're chasing, right? Uh, closing speed, overall speed, you want that from linebacker. I think for me, number two is awareness. And awareness is a broad stroke. But to me, what awareness means, especially at linebacker, is is the guy cool and calm. It's the opposite of running back. When they say running back, they say uh, that you hear a phrase, uh, slow to the hole, fast through the hole. Linebacker has to do the same thing on the opposite side of the field. They have to be cool and calm until that running back hits the hole. And then things, you have to be able to like click and turn it on and fire your gun and crush the guy in the hole. That's your job, right, as a linebacker. But there's so much that happens before that. The common cool part of it, the smooth part of it, the pre-line of scrimmage part for the running back. For the linebacker, you're, you're uh, reading it, you're checking your keys, you're aware of what's going on around you, whether that's, oh, these guys are dropping in into pass protection or they're sending that tight end on a route this must be play action or is it a straight up run play and um, here comes the guard pulling up to the second level it's a combo block or they're pulling the guard or the center they're getting someone up to block me and can I get off of them can I keep them at bay can I uh, keep an arm out there and, and not let the guy get into my body so I can still make this tackle and then from there that awareness um, also works in, in pass coverage as you're dropping into coverage do you know the routes behind you a lot of times guys are dropping into coverage and they only see what's in front of them. And the quarterback will move them or the combo route's in front of them, be a drag route that comes up front. You move the linebacker and you throw behind him. Does that linebacker have the awareness and, and the, he knows the route combos going on and how he's being attacked? If he, don't, if he knows that, and it, it's hard to tell sometimes on, on tape, especially in college. College is extremely hard. I think the toughest transition we're watching right now is linebacker to the NFL because it's a completely different game for the for the defensive side. Uh, so from there, if you have that awareness, what's next? So you got the athleticism, check that box. You got the awareness and the smarts, intelligence, instincts, if you will, check that box. You're looking for the relative strength and power that is required at the linebacker position. You can throw tackling in there because it's hard to be a good tackler without the strength, and I think that's where Nick Vigil struggles. He gets to a lot of plays, right? Bounces off guys. Can't get him, get him down with arm tackles. Uh, doesn't have that closing speed. I think also can go into athleticism. There's a – when you get into the area of the running back, let's say, he's going to try and make a move, right? That's that's his job. He's going to try and get away from you. And it's usually a quick, subtle, or burst away from you. Can you match that burst? And that's part of athleticism. But the other part is if you, once you get your hands on him, once you get your arm on him, do you bring him down with that? Or is it bouncing off? Do you have that relative strength to – defend yourself from offensive linemen to uh, stack them and then shed them uh, to you know pop inside them and then throw them down whatever the case may be 
it's a requirement. It's a very physical position at linebacker. And I think if you could check those three boxes, I'm happy. There are other parts. People may say, well, is he good in pass coverage? Hard for me to really evaluate in terms of college to NFL. Uh, now, some guys you can see, Telvin Smith, I remember watching going, oh, yeah, he's got it. Miles Jack, he's got it. Um, check those boxes. But a lot of times for me right now, that's not a requirement. Watching Jermaine Pratt, I couldn't check that box for him in coverage in college, even though he's a former safety. Athleticism doesn't mean you can cover. There's so much more mental of it, and depending on what position, are you an inside linebacker or are you an outside linebacker? You've got different responsibilities and roles, uh, especially in coverage. So it's hard for me to check that box because the projection is so big from college to NFL. Um, and since we're talking about linebackers and guards a lot, I'll move on to guard real fast with that. So what are the boxes we're checking? Same as the other, you know, the other guys in terms of production, tape, size, athleticism, strength. Does he have all that? Can he pass block? Can he run block? Is there a major weakness in his game? Though that's the that's the high level look at it. And then when you watch the tape, you'd like to see him do everything. Now they don't have to do everything though. That's a big key, especially for it's different for offense than it is for defense. If defense, if you can't do something, they're going to attack that. The other team is. Where on offense, if you're Guard is a zone blocker. That's fine. He fits your zone scheme. Great. You're not asking him to run man or power stuff, gap stuff. You you can keep it to what you need him to do. You, is he better at pulling? Great. Then that's what you do. David DeCastro's made a Hall of Fame career with the Steelers pulling because that's what he's really good at. Can he do everything else? He can, but not at a, not the level he is at pulling. So you design your offense for what those guys do. Now you can put your defensive chess pieces in situations to succeed, but it depends on how he gets attacked. So for offense, especially, uh, let's say, offensive line, if you say, okay, he's better as a man blocker, just a mauling, powerful guard, uh, that's what you want to do then, if that's your scheme. You want that guy. If it's not your scheme, don't draft him. If you're running wide zone stuff, don't worry about it. He doesn't have the foot quickness, okay, then he's not your guy. You could check off a lot of these guys that don't fit based on what you're going to do. Now, it's hard to tell what the Bengals want to do right now. They wanted to be a wide zone scheme. They went to a more man power scheme and started pulling guards more too. Uh, do they continue with that? Or do they say, we still want to be a zone scheme? And we'll have to see. So I'm not eliminating anyone yet. Uh, so while he may, while checking all the boxes for offensive line, may be like someone like Quentin Nelson who could do everything at guard. Everything. He was a top 10 pick, hands down. Boom. This guy should... This guy's a Hall of Famer. As soon as he stepped on the field, it felt like, right? He was an all-pro guard right away. Uh, that would actually be checking all the boxes. He could do every single thing. He had the athleticism, the power. He was great in pass protection. No matter if the guy was hitting him with a power move or, or more finesse athleticism, didn't matter. He handled it. Uh, and then run blocking. Didn't matter if he was powering, overpowering a guy or moving in space, climbing to the second level, zone blocking. He could do it all. That's checking every box. But it's not a requirement, especially, and that's why these guys end up in the third, fourth, fifth round and be starting NFL guards, is because they're only good for half the teams that are running that scheme. I think the Bengals could be in that situation again where they find a guard in the fourth round this year that can play Clint Bowling, one of those guys. Great in his own scheme. Um, I think you look for weaknesses a little bit differently on offense than you do defense. On offense, if I'm looking at a guard and I say, oh man, he's really, you know, it's the bull rush is going to kill him. He's going to get killed by this bull rush. You want to protect him from that because you can't control how a defense is going to attack you there, right? 
so it's different, right? When you're when you're run blocking, you're on the aggressive, you're on the attack. When you're a pass pro, you have to protect. You ha- you're the one that's going to get exploited by the defender, especially a really good one. So if you're weak, if you don't have the the core strength or the the leg strength or the weight behind you or the footwork, the balance, uh, you're going to get attacked that way. Now, is it an issue of this guy needs to gain weight? This guy needs to get stronger, or is it a core? strength thing is it a balance thing those are two things i don't want if you don't have the core strength and you can usually tell the core strength for me is by regaining their positioning so they're getting beat right and can they get their arms back underneath can they keep their their hips under roll their hips maybe and get under there and get back in there and and squat and sit and anchor if they can do that they've usually got good core strength and, and on run blocking if they can torque and get a guy out of the hole uh that's usually core strength it's a total body strength thing, but I think that's where I notice it the most. Um, one of the boxes I think you have to have is length. I think it's hard for a guy with short arms to do everything you need him to do, whether it's run blocking, pass blocking, you're going against the biggest freaks on the other side of the field on the defensive line. You can't have a physical limitation. Uh, so I would want all big, long guys. Now, they can be shorter. I'm a, that's no problem for me, but I would like length. And... I don't mean everyone's got to have 34-inch arms. That's not what I mean. I just don't want 28-inch arms out there. Uh, so I don't know if that clears it up. I think it's a little bit harder at guard than it is linebacker. I think I can peg linebacker for what I want for checking off the boxes. But for guard, you can have success without checking off all the boxes. And you can for linebacker, too. If a guy's just good in coverage and athleticism, well, then that's what he is. If a guy's only good against the run, well, then that's what he is, and you should work towards it, and you can work on him in sub-packages. Um, so that's the idea there. And I could do this more. If you guys like that kind of, you know, what am I looking for to each position? That's great for mailbag questions and, and things like that. I can rant. I just went 36 minutes here. I didn't mean to. Uh, we're supposed to be cutting off at like 25, but I just kept going. So if that's something you're interested in, always ask those questions on the mailbag uh, or just send topics on Twitter and we'll get to it eventually. But uh, that's all we got today for the Lockdown Bengals podcast. We'll have Jake back tomorrow. And that'll make my job much easier. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.